We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. Back with me, my guy, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are talking about a Nets win, 130-113 over the Pacers. Jack, how we doing? You know who I am. I'm Jack Manuel. You know who I am. You know who I am. There we go. Jack with his Kevin Durant impression. That was much missed on this podcast. As always, though, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. And uh, Jack, where do you want to start tonight? I want to start with Alizé Johnson, because if KD's giving him love, Nick, then we've got to give him love. And I'm just going to give him the KD tweet. And everyone, if you haven't liked it already, head to the timeline. KD is the king of Twitter. He is the king of the basketball court as well. I had to let my young bull 2020 them peoples. I mean, do we need to say anything more? KD sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I mean, Alizé Johnson, I mean, the guy had a motor, a revenge game tonight. 20 points. 21 rebounds, 17 defensive, four offensive, two blocks in there, seven to 12 from the field, six to six in the free throw line. Obviously, the Pacers are his former team, had a little bit of extra juice, and it just felt like every single possible rebound he could grab, he was going to grab. And honestly, the energy, too, in terms of offensively cutting to the rim, it's just kind of that energy spark you need against, you know, some of these lesser teams. And the Pacers are typically a talented team, but they're missing a ton of players. And Alize definitely provided that spark tonight. Yeah, and with Bruce Brown out, you know, Alizé yeah. Johnson, we've sort of made the comparison before about him sort of being a forward-sized version of what Bruce Brown is. Did a lot of the things that we've loved from Bruce Brown this season in terms of the rebounding, in terms of the cutting that you sort of alluded to and against his former team. You know, hopefully he's pulling out the dance moves for Just Dance, is playing in the locker room. For those that haven't seen it, check out uh, my timeline at the J-Man JBT for some funny uh, Alizé Johnson dance moves. That's why he fits so well in the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, it, 
the fact it's just another tick for Sean Marks and, you know, the ability to just, you know, obviously, you know, the Iman Chumpets of the world, the Andre Robesons of the world don't necessarily work, but, you know, you've got a Mike James and Alizé Johnson, you know, not too bad either. The, the strike rate is pretty goddamn good for a guy like Sean Marks. And Alizé Johnson is a player, Nick. You know, I think we've sort of seen that. And to perform on one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team, uh, and he's contributing at a regular level. Um, I, I think a, a huge credit goes to the coaching staff, a huge credit goes to Sean Marks, and an even bigger credit goes to Alizé Johnson himself. Yeah, definitely. Finding minutes in this rotation, obviously there are some injuries, but he definitely stuck out, played 32 minutes tonight, and just, you know, does everything at a high effort level. And we've talked about this before with Bruce Brown and other guys. It's like, yeah, they're going to make mistakes, but they're going to make mistakes going 100 miles per hour. And that's what Alizé Johnson does. And there's going to probably be a role for him maybe moving forward maybe something next season. I don't think he'll be in the playoff rotation, but it's not a bad guy to have. You need that energy spark in one of these final nine regular season games. Yeah, but I can't remember the last time I did a Brooklyn Buzz, but I do remember saying that he should be signed to a multi-year contract. And, you know, you talk things into existence, LeVarb, ball style and it can happen and he deserves it you know you know we sort of see like TLC obviously hasn't had the season that we hoped he would but Alizé Johnson on a similar sort of style contract you need those sort of depth rotation pieces especially for the regular season and especially for this COVID regular season as we sort of alluded to it and we spoke about it in the preseason about how depth is going to matter, how chemistry is going to matter. And, you know, guys have just stepped up. And the next man up mentality, the absence of Kyrie Irving tonight, who uh, took the game off. Uh, James Harden, who obviously has been out for an extended period with the hamstring injury. Katie, obviously, probably going to sit the next game against Portland in the back-to-back. -back. Uh, it's just, this team just always finds a way to win. And, uh, and Alizé Johnson tonight, um, I think Kevin Durant wasn't too bad either. But we can get to, to KD, the man himself, uh, in a little bit too. Yeah, and I think with Alizé, I mean, the real thing for him is if he could develop a three-point shot, even something somewhat consistent, you know, we're talking 35%, he could turn himself into a real role player in this league because he has a pure knack for rebounding. Like, he is just a very good rebounder, especially at that size. It's just nonstop en energy. And I think Landry Shamit put out a clip of, like, Dennis Rodman in comparison to Alizé Johnson. And I mean, like, obviously he's not Dennis Rodman, but he plays with that type of energy on the boards for an undersized player. It's not like we're talking about someone who's 6'9", seven foot and jumps out of the gym he has good athleticism but it's a lot of just energy and hustle and yeah we've talked about before how rebound how important rebounding has been and been an emphasis for steve nash and the coaching staff and you know the fact that alizé johnson can bring that is a, is an important skill you have to find a way to stand out and make yourself known in this rotation alizé johnson does that with his rebounding his energy you know he had a couple of possessions on karis averts and i thought he did a good job there yep. You know, his defense, and, and, and like you alluded to, Nick, you know, to make the comparison point to Bruce Brown, I'm pretty comfortable with Bruce Brown taking a couple of three-point shots tonight. And if Alizé Johnson can get to a Bruce Brown level and then both of those guys can, can continue to develop, then they're not just going to be great Brooklyn Nets players. They're going to be great NBA players. Yeah, that's honestly the next step for him and for the next step for Bruce Brown. Obviously, that's something you can work on in the offseason. You can have real result, results, and we've seen that happen with different players. But definitely time to talk about our guy, Kevin Durant, who is just... My guy. Sure. Yeah, he's your guy. Yeah, you liked your tweet, and you do the impressions now. But um, KD, I mean... The game is just so smooth. I've never seen somebody handle double teams with such ease in terms of scoring over the top of them and then passing out of them tonight. 42 points, 10 assists, one steal, three rebounds, 16 to 24 from the field, two of four from three, eight of eight from the free throw line. I mean, Kevin Durant just really makes it look effortless at times. 
To quote Steve Nash, what can I say? I have the luxury of coaching Kevin Durant. You stick him in the game, good things happen. It's it's pretty simple. There are just bona fide otherworldly superstars that just turn a game by their mere presence. And Kevin Durant, obviously, you know, it just seems to me it doesn't matter whether he's coming off a back to back or whether he's had his absence. He's coming off the hamstring. You know, it's post Achilles. There's some soreness here or there. Kevin Durant is just Kevin freaking Durant. You know who he is, Nick. We all know who he is. And I think that. You, you just take for granted his just dominance and his just otherworldly ease that he just treats the game of basketball with. And yes, the Indiana Pacers are, are struggling a little bit. They're undermanned. But Kevin Durant got doubles aplenty like you alluded to. That's why he got those 10 assists, 42 points, three boards. Only had two turnovers as well. He's made a point of emphasis about being better when he's got the ball in his hands. Eight of eight from the free throw line, two of four from three. No one can stop Kevin Durant. He might be... You know what? He is the most unstoppable individual offensive player in the NBA. And we know why. We don't necessarily need to analyze why. Because it's pretty goddamn simple if you watch him play. And if you watch him play tonight, there's nothing that the Indiana Pacers could do. And I don't think many other teams would have much success either. Yeah, I mean, when they were sending doubles at him, he was literally just shooting over the top. And there was points in this game where it was just easy offense for the Nets, hit him in the post, and he's going to pass out of it perfectly, find the open guy. He just really doesn't look to rush on those double teams where you see a lot of guys kind of just get frantic, you know what I mean, and get those turnovers, force the ball into a bad position. And also, I'll say this about Kevin Durant, he played some really nice help defense tonight. He kind of was more almost into that center role. You saw him protect the rim a little bit, just impact a lot of shots down there. So Kevin Durant is obviously, oh, super fun to watch but I definitely kind of enjoy the games a little bit when he's the only star out there because you get kind of more of a spotlight on how good he really is yeah I think a lot of people have sort of wondered what Kevin Durant would be like as a as a bona fide solo superstar you know we've seen so many other great superstars in this league have that opportunity but Kevin Durant has almost you know been the narrative around him is that he's the most seamless superstar in terms of how he fits alongside others how he you know makes others better and how he also maintains his strength you know, in Golden State, now in Brooklyn. And look, you've seen it. And if you've watched Brooklyn Nets games this season, there are times where it's Kyrie Irving, it's James Harden. It's a combination of the two or the three. But it's nice to sort of just see Kevin Durant cook like you alluded to, Nick. Cook with a K um, in, in what, what it's Kevin Durant style because he is just so goddamn beautiful when he plays basketball. Like you said, smoothness. You know, there's nothing smoother than Kevin Durant. You know, maybe there's some nice, smooth, golden star. I think it's golden star butter. Shout out to the golden star butter here for Australian fans listening along at home. But Kevin Durant, I, I just, I, I'm just so grateful. It just reminds me of just like, damn, Kevin Durant's still a Brooklyn net. And like, you know, we heard some really cool clips of Kyrie Irving and Richard Jefferson talking about how Kyrie Irving's passion for the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm glad that Kyrie Irving happens to be friends with one of the best players to ever suit up because, you know, it's seventh heaven, Nick. It really is. And I mean, I, I remember hearing this quote from KD or other people in the past where it's like, you really don't impact Kevin Durant like he just misses the shot. And that's really the case because the amount of times he's hitting contested jumpers over somebody is just insane. And like he's the only player where I feel comfortable about them stopping like 10 feet in front of the rim and just pulling up for a jumper rather than attacking the rim because his jumper is so pure. It's just like and tonight pulling up on the baseline didn't matter. One guy, two guy, no guy, really no impact on him when he's in that type of groove. You, like you said, Jack, nothing can stop him. It's it's almost like, I remember him saying when he filmed Thunderstruck a while ago, great <laughs> film, you know, uh, underrated basketball film, should, better than Coach Carter and Space Jam combined. But he said, <laughs> I remember him saying that, you know, like, what was he's like, what's the hardest thing about filming this movie? He's like, missing all those shots. And <laughs> you know, like, he had to like actively try to miss. It feels like 
Kevin Durant would have to actively try to miss in an NBA game too because 16 of 24 from the field is freaking ridiculous. And there were times where it's just like he had a defender draped on him. He's fading away and it's just like, nah, that's just not going in. And it's just like like wet. Like it's just wet as hell. And I never get tired of watching Kevin Durant play. We're lucky enough to have three superstars on, on any given night. And thankfully all three of them have at least been healthy at one point or another individually or as a combination that Nets have been able to get a 43 and 20 records, you know, solidify a playoff position. Uh, and Kevin Durant, Nick, it's just, it's a, it's a goddamn joy. You know, there's not much more we can say. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny is that this guy has missed so much time this season and he comes back and he's still as efficient as ever. This might be his most efficient season ever as an NBA pro. Coming off a of torn Achilles, dealing with all the COVID absences and the hamstring injury and just like missing the back-to-backs, it's really insane. It's just, like you said, a pleasure to watch on a nightly basis. Do you think if we had a, a 72, oh, maybe not 72 game sample size, let's go 55 to 60 game sample size. Say he plays the same game, amount of games as, say, Joel and B. Do you think he's in the MVP conversation? 100%. I think just because he's having such an efficient season and scoring at such a high clip, and then just the Nets would be, you know, they're the arguably the best team in the league. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. And typically, if you're the best player on the best team or one of the best teams, you're automatically kind of in that conversation. Yeah, I remember Kyrie looking. Uh, someone posted Basketball Reference MVP tracker. I think Kyrie only left fourth or fifth because he's played the most amount of games of the yep. superstars on the best team in the Eastern Conference. So you have to have one of those guys. And a lot of people have criticized Kyrie Irving for his availability. You know, and we know what, what Kyrie does and what he's been doing. You know, throughout Ramadan as well, it's just been absolutely. You know, it, it's a, an absolute. He's an absolute role model on and off the court for what he does um, in terms of his basketball exploits and, and and what he does off the court too. But yeah, Kevin Durant is just. Uh, I would, I just want to see, I'm glad to sort of see all of this come together at the right point in time. And it makes me confident because, you know, we were talking about you know, a couple of weeks ago, Nick, about, you know, the hamstring injury. It's like, okay, I'm getting a little bit worried now. Is he going to be able to get his conditioning right? How is he going to feel by playoff time? And look, we might have those same questions about James Harden, but, you know, that's a discussion for another day. But our best player is Kevin Durant. It's as simple as that. Kevin Durant is on his day, the best player in the league. You know, he overtook LeBron James a couple of years ago. Individually, if you want a guy for 48 minutes and you're picking a guy and you get any pick in the league and you're starting a franchise or you just want him for a one game, it's Kevin Durantnik and we have him. It's um, and, and I'm glad that he's getting those reps, the conditioning and the way that he's being treated. He's, he's saying he wants to come off the bench, all these different things. It just seems to me there is a synergy within the organization as well as individually with KD. 100%. I think it's also great that he's getting a lot of reps with some of the role players and they're getting more comfortable with him, especially I think, you know, at times we've seen them struggle with some of those um, uh, post passes, you know, those entry passes to the post and realizing like, yo, it's Kevin Durant. He's literally seven feet tall. You need to know where to throw the ball and guys are starting to get more comfortable there. And I also think Katie's getting a better feel where guys need to be. Like you mentioned, turnovers down. He had 10 assists tonight. Yeah, and I think that that's a, we've sort of alluded to it before how Kevin Durant's passing does get underrated and we saw your boy Nate Duncan talk about the fact that <laughs> yeah, okay. about Spencer Dinwiddie, but he's also said, you know, uh, they were talking like a, a top twenty sort of players thing, and Danny Larue rated Kevin Durant in, in the upper echelon, whereas Nate Duncan didn't because of these little things to sort of downgrade him. And look, Nate Duncan and Kevin Durant, you know, they, they love talking hoops. You know, they developed a bit of a relationship in in Golden State. But- we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the turnover thing is is a bit nitpicky in terms of because I think it was more just game flow. We see tonight where Kevin Durant has 10 assists and two turnovers. That's Chris Paul level shit. Yeah, no, it really is. And obviously, like we talked about, he was sent probably about 20 double teams in this game, too. It's not like you're talking about a few here and there or in a certain position. It's just almost just double teams. And we saw the same thing in Toronto game. It was double team on the touch. It wasn't quite as hard tonight, but still, you know, you respect that at any player in the league doing it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Big time. Who else stood out for you tonight, Nick, before we get to some other topics? I think let's talk a little Jeff Green. He didn't have a huge game, but I thought he started very strong. I want to say at 11 points in the first quarter, finished with 14 on the game, 4-7 from the field, 6-7 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, and, you know, you know, this typical poster. Uh, you got to love Dunkle Jeff. Uh, I don't know who, who came up with the nickname, but it's a, an incredible one, and I'm very jealous because I'm normally good at nicknames and stupid things, but someone else stole it from me. One thing I really like about the numbers from Kevin Durant and Jeff Green tonight, Nick, are those free-throw numbers. That yep. certainly shows a purpose and aggression, and I think Jeff Green has been like that all season. Like if you, were to, I don't have them in front of me right now, but his free-throw numbers seem to be at a, a career rate in terms of his yeah. ability to just... Whether he's dunking or whether he's, you know, someone's forcing, uh, tackling him midair because he's just, uh, he's showing so much aggression. Um, and I know that he wants to keep getting to the line. I know that he wants to keep throwing the dunk on fools. 34 years old, he certainly ain't showing it. Yeah, and I mean, that's just a huge impact, and I think that was the mentality from the Nets to the start. You know, attack this team in the paint. They're missing Turner. They're missing Sabonis. They're missing Goga. You know, they're playing a lot of guys that don't have much experience playing center, or they typically foul a lot. Nets took full advantage of that early on in this game, and I also think getting Jeff Green started early with some of those dunks make him look a little bit more comfortable throughout the game, and obviously, you know, that's what you need with some of your other stars are out, so as again, you know, Jeff Green is solid pretty much as always this entire season. Two other guys that were pretty solid tonight. Your guy Joe Harris, Landry Shamit kind of did their things. 14 points each. As I mentioned, 14 points for Jeff Green. So you're kind of getting scoring across the board. A nice balance there as well. Yeah, the, the starters overall, all of them in double figures. You know, all of them in positive in the plus minus. Joe Harris was the only guy who wasn't above plus 10. It's just solid all around. And again, you know, you... you you take a, a grain of salt for away from this performance overall, but you analyze what the guys did individually and as a collective. What did the role players do to contribute? And, you know, Landry Shamit continuing to shoot well from three. Tyler Johnson finding a little bit of rhythm um, and, and just feeling each other out and just finding balance because 
you know, I, I remember putting out some different lineup data, Nick, and there aren't many lineups that have like more than like 30 minutes for this Brooklyn Nets team because what is it like 29 different starting lineups or 30 different starting lineups ahead of what is it 63 games? No other team has that level of inconsistency, but can continue to produce because there's a level of chemistry and understanding from these teams about from the Brooklyn Nets individually and as a collective about okay, I know what I need to do next to KD. I know what shots I'm going to get. I can hit a mid-ranger. I'm going to hit this shot here. I'm going to kick it out to KD. He's going to get doubled, be in the right spot so we can have that kick-out pass. And, you know, Joe continually does it. Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamit. Those guys as role players. I guess it leads me to my question, Nick, in a, in a tweet that did a little bit of traction. Who do you think has been one of the most unsung Brooklyn Nets this season? And um, a lot of people credited, um, or probably called me out for putting Bruce Brown and Joe Harris on the list because uh, I sing their praises pretty goddamn highly. But I guess for you, um, and I'll, I'll guess I'll give my thoughts afterwards, who do you think has been one of the more unsung Brooklyn Nets this season? Yeah, I think Tyler Johnson probably doesn't get enough love. You know, just being consistently a guy that come off the bench and plays hard every night. And he's one of the only Nets that'll pick up full court. You know, we saw tonight he had one of those hustle plays getting on the ground for a loose ball, which he created himself. And he's shot really well from three. I think he's shooting like 38% on the season, which is probably close to a career high for him. And this is a guy that was almost out of the league. You know, he was signed onto the bubble nets last year, and then he came into the season. We were unsure what his role was going to be like, but he's earned those minutes, and he's really stepped up when a lot of the guards have been out. You mentioned earlier Kyrie missed tonight. James Harden's been out. Bruce Ballard's been dealing with injury. Tyler Johnson's been a guy that's been able to come in and give Steve Nash good minutes on a consistent basis, and he's really fit into his role perfectly. Like, he never is kind of overstepping or taking too many shots. He's just kind of being that complimentary role player every night that gives you those energy bursts. Absolutely. And, you know, he wanted to be a Brooklyn Nets. Sean Marks wanted to be a Brooklyn Nets. And I think that desire and that motivation yep. is it's showing on, on both ends. I want to give a shout out to Landry Shamit, Nick. You know, I think that what he has done since coming back you know, in January and being a, a goddamn marksman alongside Joe Harris, also showing, you know, greater level of, um, you know, competency with the ball in his hands, you know, a bit of point guard skills, some nice little driving skills here or there. Landry Shamit's going to play a role for this team going forward. You know, I, I'll, obviously he is a goddamn weapon, and I, I, that deep three tonight from me was probably one that sort of stuck out. It's just like, you know, take the shot. You know, whatever it is, you have a green light. You and Joe have green lights no matter where you are on the floor. And the fact that they can create off the dribble a little bit and attack those closeouts, Landry Shaman especially, I think he's got a little bit more quickness than Joe Harris does, um, even though Joe's probably a little bit stronger. I just think that both of those guys are developing more than just beyond, you know, one skill players. They're not one-trick ponies. They've got plenty of tricks up their sleeves. Yeah, and I think there is more progression for Landry Shamit to make, you know, further in the offseason and maybe in the next offseason, like you mentioned. He does have a little bit of speed to him and a little bit of quickness, and I think he kind of catches guys off guards with that first step sometimes, and then he takes advantage of that and gets to the lane. And I think, honestly, his, his hops aren't too bad. Like, he's not going to, like, throw down a million posters, but he gets up high enough where he can finish through contact a little bit, and we're seeing him do that, and we talked about this before as well. I think his his handle has looked a lot tighter, and I think that's always huge in terms of just playing in the NBA. Guys are always going for the ball at any opportunity they can get. If you can keep that handle tight, you're going to have more opportunities to get to the rim and create for yourself, and I think also the biggest thing for him in general is just his confidence. Like you said on that deep three, that's something he probably doesn't even take unless he's forced to take early in the season. Now that's something he just feels comfortable. You see him shooting off balance a little bit sometimes and the shots are knocking down so he's just like you mentioned another weapon for this team going into the postseason 
Yeah, our dude Lucas Kaplan, who did a great job hosting in my absence, had a really nice tweet about Lucas, um, not Lucas, uh, Landry Shamit's ability to just move off the ball and shoot off the move. Clearly learned some things from JJ Redick back in his time in Philadelphia. He's taken that, you know, to, to Los Angeles and now to the Brooklyn Nets. His ability to just, and like Joe does it as well, but Joe does it with a, a little bit more craftiness. It's just, it's almost like they both do the same thing, but there's point of point of differences that are just like, unless you watch and unless you know the nuances and and Lucas is so goddamn smart that he can see those. Um, it's an incredible weapon to have the differentiation points of their three-point shooting. It's just like Landry's going to move like crazy and he's going to shoot on the move. Joe's going to shoot it and he's going to find the right spot. He can move a little bit. His, his feet are getting a little bit better as well. So, I mean, the Nets didn't start so well as, in terms of their three-point shooting, Nick, but they still finished the night, you know, 34%. You know, not necessarily great, but... And Steve Nash has said in, in games past that you know, we want to take more threes, we want to do all, all this, all these sort of things. When you got Landry Shem and you got Joe Harris, I'm pretty confident that the Nets are going to be a decent three-point shooting team. Both of those guys, 6 of 13 from, from three, that's a pretty goddamn good night from your two marksmen. Yeah, especially when the ball's moving like it did tonight. 35 assists for the team. And that's something that's very important, especially when you have, you know, Landry Shaman in one corner, Joe Harris in the other, and the guy initiating the offense is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, or James Harden. There's just a lot of weapons that you're going to have on the floor on a regular basis. And like you said, it's just putting a lot of pressure on the other team. And I think there's going to be nights where you see the Nets shoot a ton of threes, and there's going to be nights where teams try to limit that and force them to go inside, and they can really win either way, given the amount of talent they have. Big time. Nick, I wanted to ask you about the DeAndre Jordan DNP. Obviously, we've had Nicholas Claxton out for a little bit with health and safety protocols. I wanted to ask you about that too. But focusing on DeAndre, the Nets have been going small a little bit of late. What are your thoughts on the, the DNP for DJ? Yeah, I think when you play this switching scheme and DeAndre obviously can't switch on the guards, it's going to be tough to play him unless there's a really traditional center or somebody who can hurt the Nets down low. It just seems like Steve Nash is going to opt to go with Jeff Green or Blake Griffin and possibly Nick Claxton when he's back. And, you know, DeAndre has a role in this team, but only in certain matchups. And look, full credit to DJ for continuing to show a level of, of level-headedness, productivity whenever he is out there, maturity. He knows the bigger picture. We all know what the bigger picture is here. We want the Larry OB. And they're going to be nice where, where DJ, unfortunately, isn't going to be able to suit up because the matchup doesn't suit him. But, you know, maybe Portland might be a better matchup when you've got Yusuf Nurkic and, yep. and Enos Kanter. I, th I think we could certainly see, you know, a DJ play a bit of a role there. Hopefully, Nicholas Claxton's back sooner rather than later. Did want to ask you about it, Nick. Now, obviously where Steve Nash is, is deflecting a little bit here. Health and safety protocols should generally only have you out for a week. Seems to me that, you know, Claxton might have something a bit more serious than just, you know, being in contact with someone. I know that I did, uh, a friend of mine in a group chat was sort of saw that um, Nicholas Claxton posted a, a bit of a Snapchat where he was out and about in public, not necessarily wearing the face mask, as he should have been. What are your thoughts on the Claxton absence? Yeah, I think probably there is some legality in terms of like discussing if he does have COVID or not in terms of Steve Nash. Like if he did test positive, I don't think Steve Nash is going to come out and say, hey, Nick Claxton tested positive for COVID. Uh, he's going to say health and safety protocol. So it is a real possibility. Like you mentioned, Jack, a lot of people have pointed out to, I think, his birthday celebration along with Alizé Johnson, who was also out with health, uh, health and safety protocol. So hopefully he doesn't have it. As someone who has recently had COVID, it is absolutely terrible. And I could only imagine what it would be like for someone trying to come back and play basketball after having to deal with an illness like this for multiple days. And obviously, he's not necessarily the biggest guy either. Yeah, you look at Jason Tatum. The, he's having to have a, a goddamn inhaler. 
a person yeah. who's never had to had asthma in his life and now he has an inhaler and obviously Jason Tatum has been absolutely incredible he's he's also incredibly young as well and despite the fact that people sort of say that you know what are the COVID effects on young people I mean you just got a goddamn look at Jason Tatum and a lot of the other guys around the league you know Rudy Gobert was struggling to get his taste back and he smelled back you know we just Obama was out like for months yeah, yeah. We wish nothing but well wishes for, for anyone who has to go through that and their family. And I know um, you've been a goddamn trooper, Nick, your, your family as well, everyone everyone behind the scenes, as well as the Brooklyn Nets and their organization. Hopefully, Clax is, is back fitter and better than ever as long as his health is. You know, we wanted to be out there on the court doing Clax City sort of things, but ultimately, help, there are some things that are bigger than basketball. And hopefully, he gets his health right and he's back soon for the playoffs and we can see Clax City in full action. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe it's a blessing that it happened before the postseason. Hopefully he has enough time to get ready and get himself conditioned. Honestly, he could still be on quarantine. You know, whatever it is, depending on the exposure, whatever, you know, type of circumstances, maybe there is some type of suspension from the Nets. They're not going to necessarily publicly announce that if he made a mistake and, you know, went against protocol. I have no idea what the situation is. Like you said, Jack, hopefully he's back soon and he's 100% healthy. Yeah, the way the Nets have handled everything internally with Kyrie's absence, KD's back-to-backs and all those different sort of issues, the, the Nets have, been, have done it, but, you know, they get a massive tick. A lot of people will probably be frustrated with it, but I think that these days the, the Brooklyn Nets fans and, and the listeners of the Brooklyn Buzz probably know the, the bigger picture that is involved. And you know, they know how to take care of their players. They're with them behind the scenes 24-7. They're on the planes. They know how to sort of handle and, and navigate certain things. And you know, we heard Joe Harris talk about the Brooklyn Nets culture and how it's sort of maintained a standard ever since Sean Marks has taken over. And when Kenny, Absence, uh, Kenny Atkinson did leave and D'Angelo left and Karras left and all these dudes sort of left, there was still the standards of the Brooklyn Nets culture, the Brooklyn Nets family. And, you know, that's continued to maintain. And um, it's been nothing but gangbusters for this Brooklyn Nets team as they look for the ultimate glory. So hopefully we continue to see, you know, guys come back. Kyrie Irving's back maybe against Portland. We see KD rested. Um, As long as these guys are healthy, come at the important time. But again, enjoying the journey, Nick, and enjoying Kevin Durant, awesome nights, and Alizé Johnson 2020 games. Who would have thunk it? You know, a a guy, I think just to, to to harp back to that, a guy who wasn't even in the league, who was in the G League Ignite bubble, comes in and plays for the best team in the league and puts up a 2020. It's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's, it reminds me a little bit of who was the player for the, 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 the tutor for the Los Angeles Lakers, Andre Ingram. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came up like that at the end of one of the seasons, and it, he was one of the older players that uh, was in the G League, and he got that opportunity to really play in the NBA. Yeah, these are the sort of stories that uh, I think are really, really cool. And, you know, you sort of look back on the season as a whole. And, yes, you know, there's going to be about a million Kyrie highlights, you know, some James Harden, a million lobs, you know, clacks switching on to dudes, KD just hitting bucket after bucket. But you're going to – the ones that stick out are the, the, the underrated stories, the unsung stories, as we sort of uh, touched on a little bit. You know, it's the Alizé Johnsons. It's, uh, it's the Mike James, you know, m- making a bit of an impact here or there. They sort of stick out a little bit because they're the unheralded stories, if you yep. if you want me. Yeah, and I think, honestly, you miss some of those stories when you have such a superstar team. But it's like with the Nets, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Like you mentioned with Alizé Johnson, I mean, I did not anticipate anybody getting a 2020 game on the Nets after uh, Jared Allen was traded. And the fact that Alizé Johnson's a guy and it's not Blake Griffin or Nick Claxton or even DeAndre Jordan is pretty surprising. So credit to him and credit to even you know a guy like TLC who I thought played solid tonight and had some good moments. And he kind of stepped up in the absence of some other players. You know, Mike James probably had his worst game as a Net, but the previous nights he he stepped up for this team and had a real positive impact. And even, even a night where Mike James really struggles from the field, he still had seven assists. Yeah, I mean, he's a, 
not to, to slight my dude Chris Chiosi, you know, I love me some some hot cheese, but Mike James is almost, you know, a, a shooting, a more willing offensive version of Chris Chiosa. Yeah, I think so. Will Jackson actually had the same idea. You know, it just kind of doesn't necessarily have the same elite passing, but he provides you a lot more in terms of the offensive scoring. And I think on a team like this and the style, the way the style that the Nets play, it's more beneficial to have a guy like that because KD's going to get double teamed. Kyrie's going to get a ton of attention. James Harden's going to get trapped. You need other players that can create and handle the ball a little bit. And Mike James has shown that ability and has provided a little stability to that second unit where they're missing a lot of their stars and some of those other playmakers. Absolutely, absolutely. Nick, I wanted to, before we, uh, I guess before I get to my, my, one of my final questions, any other things that you wanted to touch on before we uh, get to some other questions? Yeah, just Blake Griffin's always fun to see him throw down a dunk or two. <laughs> Blake's been Blake's been awesome. I'm loving him as Brooklyn. Maybe one of the better buyout candidates, you know. I'd much rather have Blake than Andre Drummond. You know, no slight to, to Lakers fans, but give me Blake any day of the goddamn week, former Piston. I'm taking Blake Griffin. Nick, I yep. wanted to ask you, it's been a topic of conversation of late about the coach of the year, and we're starting to see our boy Steve Nash get some credit. If you were to rank him in the coach of the year conversation, where would he be? Oh, that's a really good question that I definitely wasn't prepared for. So let me go off the top of my head. Feel free to go, Nick, because I've prepared for my own question here, and then you can you can go. Yeah, off, you can go ahead. I mean, I would say just off the bat that Monty Williams is probably number one for me, just based off of the improvement from the Suns from last season to this season. That's typically where the award goes to a lot of situations. But who else you got, Jack? I would have him fourth, and maybe in a, in a fighting for third with Tom Thibodeau. Again, Monty Williams uh, and Quinn Snyder are probably the guys fighting it out for first. Tom Thibodeau might get some first place votes as well. But I think Steve Nash has a lot of credit because, yes, it's always like, you know, if you have a superstar team, what is it that the, the guy never gets credit because it's all about the players? Well, Eric Spolster is probably the best coach in the league right now, and he coached the big three, and I don't think he got enough, got enough credit yep. throughout that period. Steve Nash in his rookie year right now is leading a team that is leading the East that is 43 and 20, that has their three best players on the court for 186 minutes in, in seven games. Oh, I think Steve Nash deserves a, a ton of credit. And because we sort of heard him come in and it was just like, well, he's going to be this sort of malleable, you know, this flexible, emotionally intelligent dude. It's just like he doesn't get the credit for, you know, developing these Alizé Johnsons, for his rotations, for his ATOs, for those things that coaches actually do. And coaches have an impact on winning games. I think coaches have a... a I think I'm really intrigued to see what he's going to bring to the postseason when coaching matters even more. Is he going to continue to show that level of flexibility? Is he going to take on a sort of similar role to what Mike Danny, Mike D'Antoni sort of does? Or is he going to show a, a bit more sort of proactivity? But I guess I've waffled on a little bit. Nick, where do you think uh, Steve Nash belongs in the conversation? Yeah, I think you're spot on, Jack. I think you got Quinn Snyder ahead of him just based off the Jazz being the best team in the league and not necessarily having a pure superstar. And, you know, Thibodeau and what the Knicks are doing is one of, arguably the biggest surprise in the entire league. And then after that, you know, Steve Nash is right there because, like you mentioned, dealt with a ton of injuries, getting the most out of a lot of different guys in this team, be it Alizé Johnson, be it a guy like TLZ, be it Mike James for a few nights, Bruce Brown, Tyler Johnson, whoever it is. And I think he's really improved over the course of the season. Like, he is a substantially better coach than he was during the first 10 games of the year. Absolutely. You know, we've shown levels of frustration with him and criticism for him, but we've also given him a lot of credit. And, you know, I could rave bad on, on him for ages, Nick, but I've got to finish my chicken fried rice before the <laughs> kids start getting in and uh, I have to teach some goddamn youth again. But it's good to be back. It's good to be chatting the Nets hoops with you, my friend. Always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.